One of the great things of watching children grow is as you see them mature and, and obey you or not obey you, you begin to understand the necessity of realizing their motives behind the actions. So even when there's a little bit of obedience, you begin asking yourself, is this out of duty or is this out of love and delight? I mean, this is the same thing that we encounter with employees at work. When they're working hard, when you're watching them, but is that because they're being watched? And when they're not being watched, then they won't work hard. Is there some self-motivated reason behind it? And as we begin to turn to our text in Ephesians 5, if you guys want to turn there, in Ephesians 5, we'll see that this is also true within the realm of marriage as well. Why do you love? Why do you love? What is the motivation behind it? And in answering this question, we'll see how this text applies to you. One, even if you're not a husband. Number two, in a profound way, even if you're not married, as we look at this text. So if you will, go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to start at verse 25 and go all the way down to verse 33. Ephesians 5, 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Therefore, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we, we come to you again broken as we were last week, and we come to drink of your word. Could you meet us here this time, this very hour, and show us your love, show us your grace, dear God. I pray that we would not leave this place until we have seen you and seen your face. God, would you change our hearts in a marvelous way that in our marriages we can reflect you and your love for us. Amen. So here's a little outline of where we're going. Here's here's a little brief outline. The main idea here that we're going to work under is exalt Christ, exalt Christ by loving your wife. That's the main idea. Exalt Christ by loving your wife. So under that we're going to have three points. Point number one, We're going to see Christ's love for the church, verses 25 through 27. Christ's love for the church. 
Point number two, husbands love your wives. Verses 28 through 31. Husbands love your wives. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with this profound mystery that Paul is talking about. Verses 32 and 33. Main idea. Exalt Christ. How do you do it? By loving your wife. Going down to point number one. Christ's love for the church. Let's go back to the text. Read verses 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, so that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, for Christians, the nature and the character and the actions of Christ are the baseline of all that we do. So it's no different than husbands when we look at wives. We want to mirror Christ's love for the church. Even in our marriages, we look to Christ and to Christ alone to see what has he done. And that is our baseline for how we love our wives. So number one, we're going to see that he gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your, Christ, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here is Christ in the throne room of God, beholding the glory of God. And as we see in Philippians 2, that we're reminded that though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. My friends, this is the marvelous gospel of Jesus Christ, that you and I were walking dead, as we see in Ephesians 2. We were by nature children of wrath, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world, yet in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So husbands, how does this apply to you? We see that Christ is our standard of recklessly pursuing your wife. She was not perfect. We were not perfect. The church was not perfect. But He sought her and He won her. We're reminded that we love because He first loved us. He took the initiative and pursued His bride. So husbands, pursue your wife. Even though you're now married, you can't, can't sit back. And presume it's all done. Continue to pursue your wife. So he gave himself up for her in verse 25. Verse 26, he sanctified her. That he might sanctify her, it says. Having washed her by the water of the, of the word. So not only did Christ descend down to re redeem his bride... But he sanctified her and he made her pure. So not only is he the author of our faith, but friends, he is the perfecter of our faith as well. So husbands, we again ask ourselves, is your wife more holy? Is she more sanctified? Because of the way you are leading your marriage. 
Are you washing her in the Word? I, uh, I commend to you families in this church, husband and wife, wake up at 5 a.m. Why? To spend time in the Word together. That's a good husband. Washing his bride in the Word. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. And finally, in verse 27, we see that he presents her. And all of this has happened so that the redeeming and the sanctifying, all of this has happened so that he might present her, the church, to himself. And this is the day that we're longing for when we'll be fully reconciled to God, not just in faith, but in sight, and we will see our God face to face. And this is what we long for. So husbands, know that you will be presenting your bride back to God. And you will be accountable for how you have pursued her, how you have won her, and also for how you have sanctified her as well. So this is point number one. So we've seen the standard of love is Christ towards His church. So now we're going to see how and why Paul applies Christ's love for the church to husbands and wives. So point number two, husbands love your wives. We're going to read verses 28 down through 31. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So Paul commends us to love our wives, but do you guys notice the motivation for doing it? Do you guys catch up on the motivation for doing it? He's not appealing to some Immanuel Kant Uh, duty-bound ethics. He's not simply saying, you should love your wives because it's the right thing to do. Now go and do it. That's that's me and my weak moment of parenting. Do this, Judah. Why? Doesn't matter. Do it. it. It doesn't work. You might get obedience for a little bit, but not in the long run. In the same way, it's not some shallow appeal for husbands to be a manly man and to buck up and to do the right thing. But no, notice Paul's motivation here. He shows you that it's in your best interest to love your bride, to love your wife as Christ has loved the church, to give yourself up for her, to sanctify her, and to know that you will again be presenting her back to God. So, well, oftentimes we will neglect our wives or not love our wives the way that we should because we're selfish. We want to meet our own desires, our own needs. But Paul is here telling you, no, if you want to be selfish, love your wife. That's what you do. You want to be selfish, love your wife. Why can he say this? Why can Paul say this? So go back with me to the garden. We have Adam here. God created one man, one man out of the dust. You see in Genesis 2-7. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. 
Yet the narrative is a little bit different with Eve. As you guys know the story. God has caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. And he pulls a rib out of the side. And out of this side, out of the flesh of Adam, Eve is made. And he presents her to him. And Adam says, sorry guys, they're naked in the garden. And he's singing these rapturous love songs over her. And he's saying, doesn't come through with that. That's amazing, I understand. This at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, this is where Paul's quoting it. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So going from the garden to your home, from the garden to your marriage, in the same way that Adam and Eve started with Adam, one flesh, Eve comes out of his flesh. They were two, and in marriage, when they're presented together, what does Adam say? This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And they have come together and become one flesh. So, Adam and Eve, two separate things coming together and becoming one flesh. As, so as an aside, this is why the, the union of marriage or the coming together of a husband and wife is such a, a beautiful and profound thing. So we're making a, a, a physical representation of coming together in the marriage, but of one flesh. We're making this physical representation of a spiritual reality. Something that's already true. Husband and wife being together in one flesh. And we demonstrate that in our marriages. And because of this, because husband and wife are one flesh, Paul writes, he who loves his wife loves himself. Thus, if you're not loving your wife, you are defying not just a command to love your wife. Friends, you're, de- de- you're de- denying creation itself, the order of creation itself. So that's why Paul can say, be selfish. Love your wife. If you don't love yourself, if you don't love your wife the way you should, and in fact, you're not being selfish enough, my friends. So then, we don't despise our wives, we don't neglect our wives because they're one in the flesh. But rather, we nourish it and cherish them as you do yourself. So if you love yourself, it will be demonstrated in a love for your bride. So men, you who aspire for marriage, it is natural that you'll be burning with passion, but even now begin to foster this deep spiritual life so that you will be able to nourish and to cherish your bride once you have her. You can't just flip the switch once you get married, but begin to develop these habits so that when God does give you a bride, you can wash her in the Word and you can nourish her and you can cherish her and you can truly love her as Christ has loved the church. Begin to foster these habits in your life already. So we see that Christ's love for the church, verses 25 through 27, He has given Himself up for her, He has sanctified her, and He will present her back to God. And then we see, husbands, love your wives, verses 28 through 31. 
We see husbands, we nourish our wives and cherish them because we are one in the flesh. And so finally, we're going to see Paul ties these both together. And we're going to see that even if you're not married, why this passage is comforting to you, even if you're not married. So point number three, the profound mystery. We're going to read verses, let's go back up to verse 31. Read that all the way down to 33. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So throughout this sermon, we've been riding two different rails. The first one was kind of Christ in the church, and the second rail has been Adam and Eve, so the husband and the wife. For the first one, we see that Christ loves the church. Why? Because we are members, as we see, we are members of his body. Verse 30. So we're reminded in Ephesians 1 that in this, when Paul's talking about the exaltation of Christ, He says that all things have been placed under his feet and he has placed him, Christ, as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Christ's profound love for the church is rooted in this all-consuming, glorifying, God-glorifying love for himself. So even in Christ loving the church, it's an exaltation of Christ himself. So he loves us because we are members of his body. That's rail number one. Number two, we see the same thing. Husbands love for wives that we just talked about. Because you are one in the flesh. Because you are members of the same body. Husband, love your wives. So it's not as though Paul was looking for this analogy and he thought, oh, well, Christ really loves the church. Maybe I'll talk about that. No, there's nothing else that Christ, that Paul could have talked about, pointed to, because we see that in marriage, it's pointing to a greater reality. It's pointing to this greater reality. So even back in the garden, it's pointing forward to something else, which is Christ and the church. So for you ladies who or not married, this is why this passage is actually quite encouraging to you. Though you may not see it at first blush. At this moment, you may not have this temporal representation of the greater reality. You might not have the physical picture, a husband right now, but you have Christ. You have the one to whom the husband points. So you're in your loneliness, he is there. In your prayer life, He is continually interceding for you on your behalf. And He's not just the one who can wash you in the Word, but He is the Word. So I encourage you to not waste your days longing for this admittedly very poor picture of the greater reality. Don't long for a husband, but be enraptured with God and with Christ. For he and he is alone is the one who has pursued you and has won you. 
And so for husbands, this is why your love for your wife becomes a very serious matter. So first, we, we kind of talked about earlier on, you can have this selfish motivation because you're one in the flesh. So that's one way you can love your wife. You want to be selfish? Love your wife. And Paul's not discounting this, this selfish motivation behind it, but now we realize that marriage is not just a relational mar- matter with my, with my bride, but it becomes a means by which I exalt Christ. So by loving my wife and doing it well, I am making a clear picture of Christ's love for the church. So friends, that's why we say, husbands, exalt Christ by loving your wife. So, to go back to the introduction, and we'll wrap it up here. What's your motivation for loving your wife? What is your motivation? It can be selfish. Paul, Paul has that. And that, that itself is rooted in God's consuming love for himself. But the greatest motivation of all husbands is that you will exalt Christ. You will exalt Christ and proclaim the beauties of Christ by loving your wife. So over this next week, friends, husbands, glorify God. Glorify God. And exalt Christ by loving your wife. By by giving yourself up for her and recklessly pursuing her. By washing her in the Word so that you can sanctify her. All the while knowing you will present her back to God. Holy and without blemish. Let us pray. Father, we, we, we stand in awe of your love for us. And we, we try to proclaim this in this world. And we, we try to love our wives as you have loved the church. But we find ourselves falling woefully short. I pray that we would, we would be convicted of our sin. That we would not be content with mediocre marriages or neglected wives here, God. I pray that we would not be content with that, as you were not content with that with your church, but you had pursued your church throughout the ages. We see a beginning in Genesis 3, God. You had a plan and you pursued your bride and you sought her and you won her and you gave up everything to have her. Pray that we would be men who pursue our brides like you have pursued us. For the ladies here, God, I pray that you would comfort them knowing that a husband is a very poor, dim picture of a wonderful, beautiful God. I pray that you would give them extra love this week, that they would see you are the one pursuing them that they would find themselves deeply and madly in love with you. Amen.